So this series, uh, the heart behind this series has really been not that we get to come up here and tell you what you need to believe. Does anyone ever have someone do that to them? Anyone feel a little threatened by that, push back a little? I'm a little bit rebellious. So when everyone comes and says, listen, you need to believe in this, I always say, no way. That's not what we want to do, okay? Well, one, we don't want you to push back on us. But two, we don't want to tell you the way you want to believe. We want to, we want to inspire you. We want to, to question maybe what you've believed in the past, present the truth as plainly as we can, and let you wrestle with whatever comes in between. And, and we want to give you whatever we can to help you do that. And so we've got some different ways for you to interact. We are on, uh, face, we're on uh, Facebook Live every week. So if you miss a service, you can get it there. You can download all these sermons starting Sunday afternoon. If you miss something, you want to go back and re- re-listen, you can catch that on our website. We have an insert in your, um, in your handout there that allows you to go deeper into the message that we're talking about. We are just scratching the surface of what we're able to talk about in about 30 minutes. We want to give you as much as we can to carry on with that. We are holding groups. There's about 10 or 12 groups that meet throughout the week to talk about these topics. Every single week, people are gathering with more questions, seeking more answers, trying to find truth, trying to inspire each other. If you want to be a part of that, Come see me. I can sign you up. We can get you in a group this week. It's not that big of a deal. They're going to talk about this message. So you're already here. You've already got the message. It's just a matter of going to where we can go. If you want to know where to go with that, come see me. We'll hook you up. But our heart is that you find the truth in what you believe. Okay? Now, that's what we're going to talk about in a moment. Let me just take one moment and kind of do a little uh, pastoral privilege. We are going to to, um, the Middle East. And I kind of... I kind of put, I kind of promised something that you guys would do something before, without asking you, okay? So I guess I can ask your forgiveness, and then I asked to please do this, okay? I, I told them that we were going to bring um, soaps. That's what pastor, uh, one of the pastors recommended we bring to the refugees is soaps. And so we went ahead and purchased them, and we were going to give them to the women. The women there are usually those in the dominant culture. Uh, they're refugees. Um, and we just wanted to say, hey, you're important to us, you're important to Jesus, you're important to, to um, the ministry there, and so we're bringing them there, but we need your handprints and fingers on them and prayers on them. So when we go out, please, okay, especially the women, let me talk to you, please, the women there desperately want to know that you're praying for them. That means so much to them. I can't, I can't do it in our culture. I can't fully under, explain it to you, but just take my word. The idea that you are thinking of them and praying for them is gold to them. And to know that I can go over there and say, the women of our church, of Davison Free Methodist Church, they don't know where Davison at, but I can say Detroit. They all know Detroit. They probably have relatives from Detroit, right? They do. Um, and we can, I can say they prayed for you. They tied this ribbon around the soap. They put a stamp on this soap, and our women's hands and prayers are on the soap that we're able to give to them. You guys catch the weight of that? Can you kind of get with me that? You promise no matter what I say today, you won't forget to do that, okay? Because I don't want to have to say, I stamped all the soap. That doesn't mean anything to them, okay? Um, but you doing it will mean mo- more to them, okay? So, hey, let's talk about a little bit, continuing in this process of talking about the Apostles' Creed and entering into it. Now, this is the great thing about today. A couple weeks ago, I got to speak on the Trinity. Yeah, that was a tough one. 
Okay? But today, I get to speak on the topic of Jesus. And I learned a long time ago in Sunday school that the answer to every question in church is Jesus. Right? So that's pretty much all I have to say. If I ask you a question like, who died on the cross? You say? And who resurrected from the dead? And what's the best football team? No, Jesus is the answer. Guys, no matter what question I answer today, I want you to answer Jesus. Can you get that? Okay, all right. What color is my jacket? You guys are smart, all right? That threw off the first service. You guys, you guys are top notch, top shelf people today. All right, so hey, we're gonna talk about this person of Jesus. Now let me, let me, let me give you this example. Now this particular Apostles' Creed that we've been talking about, we got a copy of it right here. So you guys know this. Can you, can you grab that for a second? Everyone should have one, okay? And, and, and you see there are several lines that are recited. Now, each one of these was carefully chosen, carefully selected. Each word was thought over, pondered, and they were taking out words that were too wordy, and they were adding ones with every meaning. But look at this. I want you to take a pencil or a pen and, and draw a line under the word creator of heaven and earth, okay? Draw a line underneath that. There will be a test on this, guys. Come on, grab your pencils. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Did you do it? The answer is Jesus. All right. So, the, um, and draw a line under the living and the dead. Okay? You got it? Now, look at that. Just look at the sheer volume of words that they chose to talk about the person of Jesus. It's like they're saying the answer to the questions is Jesus. That's what they're communicating. Now, now here, let me walk you through this, okay? Let me me give you an idea of what this is. It says, I believe in Jesus. Do you know what the word Jesus means? It's the the Greek version of the word Joshua, and it means Savior, the Lord saved. So Jesus' actual name means Savior, saving, okay? And then Christ, that's not his last name. He's not Mr. Christ. Okay, that's, that's his title. It means Messiah. It means anointed one. It means the one sent from God to do God's will here on earth. His only son, his represents to God, but only son. You guys know John three sixteen. For God's love of the world, his only begotten son, right? You guys know that. It is related to God, part of God sent here on earth. Our Lord, he's the king, he's the ruler. You guys still with me? So you guys got some, it's the first time you said, Jesus, thank you, there you go, all right, all right. Jesus is the answer. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, so he was born, he was conceived, you were conceived too, right? Yes, I know that's a little, but you, it happened, okay? But his happened by God, Holy Spirit, so it was different than ours. He was born of the Virgin Mary. You were born, you have a mother. Her name might not be Mary, it might be Mary, but it's not the same Mary. But he, she was a virgin, so therefore she was miraculous. That's not the way your birth happened, but that's the way Jesus happened. You, you realize the, the weight of these words that they're choosing. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Pilate is an actual historical figure. 
You can go back in actual Roman records and find the individual Pontius Pilate. And he lived and reigned and did stuff. And you can read about the stuff that he did. In other words, Jesus actually was here. He's not a fable. He's not a made-up story that just really, really makes sense. It actually happened. And they added that in there for that reason, right? He was, he was crucified, meaning he was killed as a criminal. He died, which means he died, okay? That's simple as I could put it, all right? And then he, he was buried, meaning he really died, okay? And then on the third day, he rose again. He's alive again. And on the third day, meaning he predicted it, he did what he was going to say. It's one thing to raise from the dead, but it's another thing to do it on the day you promise people to do it on. That's pretty cool, right? That's what they're saying here. He ascended into heaven, meaning he's now heavenly, right? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's got a role to play that relates to the Father of God in heaven, and here's the role. He will come again. It's going to happen. He will return. You could bank it. It's a promise. It's true. You could look for it. You could hope in it, and he's coming to judge the living and the dead. Now, here's the part. Is the, the way you believe the rest of the role of Jesus is how you will be judged, Let me say that again. Who you think Jesus is to you will bear witness, will have a a result when he shows up again. And the people that will be judged will both be living and dead. In other words, when you die, it ain't over. It doesn't end for you. In fact, let me talk about the beginning for you. Do you know that if you put faith in Jesus, your life begins at that moment. Your eternal life begins in that moment. For those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, you are eternal. Not all eternal. Some of it will pass away. But that's where you begin your eternal life. Now and not yet. It doesn't happen when you die. It happens when you're reborn. But when you die, it doesn't make sure you you get a free pass. It doesn't mean your life ends there either. The way you understand, accept, believe who Jesus is has ramifications here and forever. Now, You can tell I'm excited about this, okay? And I want you guys to get the weight of this. The early church got this. This is what made the difference in the early church. At the very beginning, they accepted a symbol to represent who Jesus was to them to the world around them. Now, they didn't use the cross. That would be like using an electric chair to to symbolize our faith. It's a little morbid and gross, and that's not what they did. They chose this, actually, which is a fish symbol. Everyone seen this before? Everyone seen this on a car? Everyone seen this on a car that cuts you off? You said, hey, wait a minute. You're a Christian. You don't cut people off. That's the number one reason why I don't have one on my car, because I want to be able to cut people off. 
Now this is the ichthus, it's called, which is the Greek word for fish. And they use the word ichthus, which has five letters in it, and those letters uh, represent an acrostic of who Jesus is. Let me, let me give you for all your Greek students, the rest of you guys can just check out for a moment, okay? So the first letter is iota. Have you heard that? Have you heard that Greek letter? Yeah, I don't give one iota, you know? You've heard that before. Well, this doesn't mean that. Uh, the, the iota is the letter I, and in, in Greek, it begins the word Jesus. It's pronounced Iesus, and Jesus as an acrostic, is the first letter of ichthus. Now, the second letter is, we, we pronounce it in two English letters, the C and the H, the chi, okay? And it is the first letter of the, of the term Christos, Iesos, Jesus, Christos, Christ, Jesus, Christ. Now, the third letter in this is, again, pronounced in two letters, the T and the H. In Greek, it's the theta, some of you who pledged in college, you're, you're, it's coming back to you, right? It's coming back to you, right? Theta. And theta is the first letter of the word theos, which is God. So he, and then the next one is the fun word to say, say, upsilon. When's the last time you said upsilon? You know, isn't that kind of cool to say? Well, maybe it's only for me cool to say. I think it's cool. So, upsilon, which is the, it begins the Greek word eosos, which is son. So it is Jesus, Christ, God's son. And then the last letter is S or sigma, which begins the Greek word, which means savior. So when they would use this term on their buildings to represent what they were. They were using it as a symbol to explain what Jesus was to them. Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. But it meant more than that. Because it also became a symbol for who they were and who they were worshiping, what they were about. In fact, some of them would meet with someone and they would draw the first circle or half circle on the ground and the other one would respond the same way if they were a Christian. Because by believing in Jesus, their life was dangerous. And a lot of them were killed, persecuted for their faith in Jesus. So basically understanding, if you don't get any of this, get this, there are three things three things that you need to understand as far as the early church, as far as the Apostles' Creed, as far as the view of Jesus, okay? One is he is history changing. He actually is in history, but he changes history. He changes lives. He changes churches. He changes marriages. He changes pasts. He changes futures. He gives new history to everything. And he gives new future to everything. He is history changing. I was trying to explain to my son, who's very, very literal and linear in his thought process, and he doesn't understand why they decided to count down in years and then start counting up in years when we talk about B.C. versus A.D. And I said, listen, B.C. stands for... No, it stands for Jesus. You guys should know that by now. That's the answer to every, it does, it does stand for before Christ. And, 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 but what happened when they switched over to the year of our Lord, which is the Latin translation of AD, right? What, what, what's the, what happened in that moment? Jesus. That's the answer, right? 
So he changed history. The Roman calendar exists around the person of Jesus. That's that kind of weight. In fact, the early church had no Bible, but they didn't need it. They had inside them a clear understanding that Jesus makes all the difference. He's history changing. He's controversial. Anyone you ever read something controversial on Facebook? Jesus, there you go, all right. And um, you know that sometimes people put things out there. I, I like to read some of those, and I try to stay away from a lot of those. But one of those things that, that I notice is a lot of people who believe wholeheartedly in Jesus don't like to drop the Jesus word. They will use God, but it's almost like Jesus is a little controversial, Right? This week, I tweeted out uh, that I was preaching on this message, and I used hashtag Jesus, and I had someone, several people respond, some of them terribly negative, saying, what? One of them said, get a real job. I'm like, okay, (laughs) thanks. You got one for me? I mean, I don't know. So Jesus is controversial. If you notice that, you can talk about God, but once you drop Jesus, people's defenses go up. But they also know this. This is the main thing you have to get. Jesus is is history changing. Jesus is controversial, but Jesus is all they needed in the early church. It's all they needed. I want to make the point today that Jesus is all you need. And before you say, hey, listen, hey, listen, um, Jesus is not going to put clothes on my back or food on my table, okay? And before you say, listen, I I love Jesus and he's great, especially when I show up to church, it's awesome, but sometimes I need companionship. And Jesus is good, but sometimes you need someone with skin on, right? I understand. But bear with me, okay? I believe that you can get to a place where Jesus is all you need. And how do I know that? It's because the early church understood this. One of my favorite books in Scripture is the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews is a uh, 13-chapter long sermon. I have that ready today if you want me to preach it. I've got a 13-chapter long sermon. I'm about two chapters in. I also got the three chapter version, if you'd rather have that one, uh, what would you prefer? Jesus is the answer, guys. Um, (laughs) uh, So it's a 13-long sermon, and they understood. It was basically written to Jews to explain how Jesus fit into their worldview. And I want to jump into that in the middle of the story here, and we're going to read some verses, and I want to point out one particular verse. Now, this is a lot to go over. This is going to be a lot of Bible-ish, so if I lose you, I'll pull you back in. Try to stay with me, okay? If I lose you, circle this verse and look it up later and read it for yourselves this week. Deal? Okay, here we go. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, that's you, okay, who share in the heavenly calling, still you, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Now, this is so key because some of you come to church and you fix your thoughts on something else. And throughout the week, we fix our thoughts on something else until something messes up. 
And then we fix our thoughts on Jesus because we're saying help. And that's a great way to rely on Jesus. That's not what they're saying here. I know right now you're looking at me and you're listening to me and you're doing a great job. But I want you to force yourself for a moment to fix your eyes on Jesus. Maybe it's the cross behind me that you'll focus on. Maybe it's this ichthus fish. Maybe it's the weird picture of Jesus with the eyes that follow you no matter where you go. I don't know what picture you use, but fix your eyes on Jesus for a moment. Enter in there, okay? Don't look at me. I mean, look at me, but don't look at me. Okay? Now go to Jesus. Okay? Now, let's keep going. Whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest, the sent one and the mediator between us and God, he was faithful to the one he appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in God's house. He's going to talk about house building here. Just bear with us. Jesus has been found more worthy and greater honor than Moses. This is a big deal for the Jews and the Hebrews, just as the builder of the house is greater than the house itself. If you are a builder, you might understand that. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful, a servant in all of God's houses. Still, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep going. Bearing witness to, to what was be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. Stay with me. Stay with me. And we are his house. We as the church are his house. Still with me? Okay, here here we go. We're going to get to it right here. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. So let me just take that word, take that phrase for a second. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. The word confidence there is the Greek word parousia, and it means Jesus is all I need. Basically, it means boldness, courage, the ability to speak And it comes from a place, not from a place of obnoxiousness, not from a place of of sitting on the street corner, finger wagging. That's not it at all. It's talking about this confidence, this assuredness, this this something inside you that you just got to let go. And the Jesus-centered confidence, this boldness propels you to speak, to live, to love, to interact, to enjoy life, all focused on Jesus. Everyone go like this. I needed that, okay? Do you get this? Let me unpack it a little more. Can we skip ahead? Let's go to the Hebrews chapter 4. So I'm fast-forwarding the whole chapter. We just take the Facebook Live part of the sermon and went, move move the thing up, okay? Here we go. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest, Jesus, who is ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Since he's there, he's propelling us, he's he's preparing us, he's sitting there in heaven, giving us an advocate to speak to, to God. Let us hold unswervingly, let us grab a hold of the faith that we have in him. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses. He's not sitting up there in the throne saying, I don't know who these guys are. In fact, go to the next verse. But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. In other words, I know what you're doing. I know where you're going. 
You might say, well, I, I understand Jesus and I love Jesus, but, but if he really knew who I was, whew, he knows. Some of you, that scares you to death. He's been there. Everything that you've gone through, he understands. Because he went through it too. But then, let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. Same confidence. Jesus is all I need. That's where I go to God's throne. Now you're going to die. I'm going to die. Everyone dies. Even people who are healed end up dying. We all die, right? It's morbid to think about, but it's going to happen. And when we are judged, we will be brought to the throne room and God will be there and we will get there. And some of you will be nervous about that. Some of you are nervous right now thinking about that. But when you get there and if Jesus is all you need, then Jesus is there. And guess what? He's all you need. He'll speak for you. He will say, hey, listen, I got them. I know them. Here is my child. And you might say, I don't deserve this, Jesus. I mean, you know, if you know me, you know me. And he's like, I don't care. Because I died for that. And I forgave that and forgotten that and you're my child. But it comes down to this. Now, I got, I got a proof for this and it's kind of wordy, but let me, let me just bear, bear, bear with me here. Can we go to Hebrews chapter 10? We're taking the Facebook live feed and we're moving it even further, okay? Great section of scripture. Let me give you four different things that'll be proof of how you can live this out on a daily basis, okay? Let me read through this and then we'll unpack it, okay? Therefore, brothers and sisters, who's that? That's you. I know you want to say Jesus, but it really is you. Since we have confidence, there's our word. Since we have this to go to God, since Jesus is all we need, since we have this confidence, here's what we will do. By the blood of Jesus in a new way open up through the curtain in his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Hold that thought. We'll come back to it. Just keep going with the scripture. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the day more as you see the day approaching. We give you four ways that you know you have this confidence. Four ways to know that you're living in this realm that Jesus is all you need. Number one, this is how you know, is you receive forgiveness for selfishness, mistakes, hang-ups, bad habits, addictions. You receive that. Some of you haven't. Some of you said, yes, I live for Jesus. He's cool. He's my BFF, maybe. I don't know if you use that word. But Jesus is confident. He's all you need is receiving the forgiveness that anything you've done is wrong has no bearing on you anymore. 
Number two, make Jesus first in, and you get to fill in that blank. Some of you have this. Some of you, there are certain areas of your life that Jesus isn't first. Nah, not that one, Jesus. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely could use it in my health because my health is failing. So it would be really great if you would step in. Really great if you stepped into my marriage, Jesus, because it is a wreck. But my finances, I got those covered, God. I'm good. My thought life, yep. Entertainment choices, got it. Don't need your help there. Or whatever it might be. That's a sign that you're living in confidence as he's first in everything. Number three, it'll be easy to isolate yourself from the community that stands with you. It'll be easy for you to go and be a lone wolf and live out by yourself. That's not living in this confidence. It's meeting regularly with the people that are centered around us. And sometimes you'll think, well, those people are weird. Those people are messed up. And then you realize, wait a minute, I'm weird and I'm messed up because we're all people. But that's living in confidence. And finally, if you have to convince someone of something, argue for the case of unselfish love and goodness. Do you know that when you make a stand for something, when you say this is important, what you're really saying is this is important and that's not. You're drawing a line in the sand by doing that. And anytime you draw a line in the sand, there will be people over there and people over here. And you're saying to certain people, you're wrong. And if you draw that line, the Jesus confidence people, if Jesus is all you need, you draw that line for unselfish love and goodness. That's where you draw the line for. Now, that's a lot to it. I know that's kind of wordy. But I'm going to give you a way to kind of, kind of practice this before we go. The band's going to come up. We're going to sing one song to kind of close, okay? And, and the, what I want to be able to do in this song is to, to give you an opportunity to participate and proclaim, to, to speak the confidence that we're talking about, okay? So here's how it's going to happen. It's the song we just sang, and we're going to run through the verse. And now what I want to do with the first verse is you don't have to sing it at all. You can just sit and listen, okay? Unless you want to sing I like sitting and listening because I have a bad singing voice, and it's good that I don't sing. But if you want to sing, if it comes from a good place, belt it, yell it, scream it, dance it, even though we're free Methodists, do it, all right? So this is what we're going to do. Well, this is the first part. Listen to this. Just bear with me, okay? They're going to proclaim this to you, and I want you to soak it in, okay? One name. What's the name? You guys are good. Holds weight above them all. Above your name, above the rest of the names his name, right? Go to the next. His fame outlasts the, the earth he formed. What around you will pass away? This building, these seats, this will pass away. But he lives on. Okay? Keep going. His praise resounds beyond the stars. When you utter the words of Lord, I love you, 
you're awesome. That praise leaves your lips and goes to an awesome place and bounces off the stars in the sky. And they resound it because they're singing too. Okay? And then it comes back. It echoes in our hearts. It returns to us. It comes back and fills a spot in us that has been empty since we've been born. And only he fills. And that grace comes back in because he's the greatest one of all. Okay, keep going, keep going. His face shines brighter than the sun. I know that sounds spooky. Don't go there, okay? His face shines brighter than the sun. It, it goes to dark places. Do you know any dark places? Do you have dark places in your life? You have dark places in your home? You have dark places in our community? You have dark places in our world? His sun his face shines into that and the light overcomes the darkness. Keep going. His grace is boundless as his love. Do you know what grace is? Grace is you don't, no, you get what you don't deserve. Okay? And this is what grace is. You put a $1 bill into a candy machine. Do we still have candy machines? Okay, candy machine. And you pick the Snickers bar and it's supposed to fall out and you're supposed to grab it. But when you reach in and you grab the Snickers bar, you realize it's not a Snickers bar, it's a $100 bill. And then you find out that his grace is boundless. And so it's more and more $100 bill. I'm not talking about money. You get it. You get what you don't deserve. That's his grace. And it's limitless. It never stops. He reigns. He rules. He's the king above all kings. Look into that phrase and just after this. He rules. But his rule, his arms, his wings that surround you are not harshness. He's not waiting to smack you down for messing up. It's healing. It's peace. It's grace and mercy and love. Keep going. The king above all kings. There's a lot of powers that rule us, right? There's a lot of things happening around us. Powers to tell us to do this and don't do this, but he's greater than all of them. Now that's awesome, right? And when excited, and would feel that I'm a little pumped up, okay? Hopefully you are too. But this is the great part. is after you hear all of this spoken, this truth filling your heart, then you get to respond and you get to do this. Right? Go to the next phrase. Lift up your eyes. A lot of us come in here and this is where we focus. We're focused right here. We're focused on what we can see, what we can taste, what we can feel, what we're going to do this week, what we're going to do this afternoon. And I'm telling you, take the point, the conscious effort to pick your eyes up, lift it off of yourselves and onto Jesus. And by saying that, that's what you're doing. I'm lifting up my eyes. I'm putting them on the king that has come. Keep going. Next phrase next phrase. I light of the world reaching out for us, for me. 
That's who I'm praising. I'm having this confidence. Keep going. Keep going. There is no other name that I live by. There is no other name that I live by. Jesus Christ, our God. You ready? You ready? Oh, you're ready. Oh, you're ready. Let's do it. Let's stand and let's sing and let's get to this place of this confidence and let's see what God does in our hearts.